Hello everyone, this is Matt Kalaski, and you're listening to TGMR, the Galleries at More Radio, a public art talk radio station broadcasting from the Moore College of Art and Design. Listen live, search the archive of past broadcasts, or find out how you can get on the air at thegalleriesatmore.org. I'm very excited this morning uh, to be speaking with Daniel Park, one of the members of Obvious Agency. Uh, Obvious Agency, if you do not know, uh, produces games and interactive live performances. They craft responsive systems that blur the lines between audience and performer, theater and game. In addition to working by commission for cultural institutions, they produce the creative work of, our mem of their members, Joseph Afmid, Ariana Gass, and Daniel Park. Daniel, welcome this morning. Thank you. Oh, my first question is, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your personal background and how you, how that led you to uh, Obvious Agency? Uh, yeah, definitely. So um, I guess I'll, I'll speak for uh, myself and Joe first, because mm -hmm. um, we actually have kind of similar backgrounds. Um, both of us went to school at Boston University. Um, we were in their BFA program. We both got degrees in theater arts. We both studied abroad at the same programs. Um, so in a lot of ways, especially once we graduated, like on paper, we had very similar backgrounds. Um, but Joe and I had some pretty uh, large sort of artistic different interests. Um, Joe has always really been interested in circus arts and physical performance. Um, whereas I, after graduating, mostly primarily considered myself a director. Um, for for Joe, he sort of continued down that route. Um, he's really uh, engaged and involved in the circus community and in the physical performance community in Philadelphia. Um, whereas for myself, I, I graduated, um, I went through a bunch of different uh, sort of like life experiences where I, for like a year and a half where I was like, wait, but I'm a director, like how do I make art if it's just me? I don't know how to do that. Um, and so I went through a program and apprenticeship up at the Orchard Project, um, which is this really great residency program for the performing arts. Um, and that's where I sort of started getting my main interest in um, and in this sort of like interactive performance work. Um, for Ariana, uh, she went to Vassar, I want to say. I believe that's correct. Um, she came from sort of like a combination of like liberal, like a more liberal arts background um, in terms of the work. Uh, and compared to Joe and I, has always ha she has an artistic practice of her own, but also has a much more academic background than Joe and I personally have. Um, she is getting a double doctorate at the University of Chicago right now, which I just I can't comprehend for myself at all. Um, and it's like super super impressive to me. Um, she also worked over at the Entrepreneurial Game Studio at Drexel for a while, um, which I think gave her a lot of background in this work. Um, she also has like some, uh, like her parents do like web dev or design and things like that. Um, so has some more of that technical knowledge um, uh, sort of in her lineage as well. Cool. So how did these three sort of perspectives and ideas meet up to become um, to become uh, obvious agency, and we have a special guest caller in right now. It's Ariana. Hi. Hi. Sorry about that. It's okay. You're live on the air, Ariana. Say hi. Oh wow! Hello. <laughs> so, uh, 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 Daniel just got over telling us a little bit about your um, separate sort of paths, and now, Daniel. 
tell us a little bit about how you three, uh, Daniel, Joe, and Ariana, came together uh, to form Obvious Agency. Yeah, and Ariana, um, feel free to interject as uh, is helpful here. Um, so we, Joe and I, had both moved to Philadelphia around the same time, um, and uh, we we were working, like trying to make work together and to just um, sort of keep each other's artistic practices going. Um, and so we participated in the ETC Performance Series, which happens over at the Community Education Center off of... Um, Lancaster, I want to say, over in West Philadelphia. Um, and we did this really silly, stupid, sort of like absurdist uh, performance art piece that I had actually made up at the Orchard Project, where it was the two of us wearing American apparel underwear, uh, covering ourselves in ketchup and mustard and shooting each other with um, squirt guns filled with milk <laughs> for no particular reason other, other than like it was silly. Um, and, uh, Ariana just so happened to be there, uh, one evening and Ariana, tell me if this is right. Joe had connected with you, right? I think one of you had emailed me and asked me about, I think my work at the entrepreneurial game studio, which was a video game research lab located at Drexel University. And uh, then one of you must have introduced yourselves to me after the performance. <laughs> and I, I think that the rest is kind of history from there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. Because I, I had emailed you being like, oh, yeah. this program seems really cool. I'm not a student, but can I get involved? And you gave me a really hard no. <laughs> and, and then I think I didn't connect with you at... At um at ETC, Joe did, but then from there, I was I Joe had told me about you, had gotten your contact information, and I reached out to you, and then you and I like hung out at Win Win and like grabbed a drink or something like that or coffee, and that's when I made the connection. Like, oh, this is that person who said I can't I can't hang out with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that that's right. I, I remember playing games at, at Win Win. Yeah. yeah. So my next question is. So where does the um, motivation or what, what is the reasoning behind a, uh, a group like yours uh, who crafts these interactive performances? Did you see a lack in a community or communities? Did you see that there was a need for these sort of experiences? Did you, are you just sort of interested in how these engage all your different backgrounds? Tell maybe, you know, why Obvious Agency does was it what it does and then maybe for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar um it, tell us about some of your your past uh, projects sure daniel can i field this one yeah totally cool um so i think part of the aim of obvious agency is about um developing pieces in which the audience's involvement is necessary in order for the piece itself to happen um, and to me, this work, this came out of some research that I had done in undergraduate and then continuing in graduate school. Um, I'm very interested in what is termed interactive or immersive theater and contemporary movements um, that focus on that. Um, and I was very interested or very struck by the popularity of immersive performance. So this would be things like Punch Drunks, um, oh gosh, Sleep No More, um, and then she fell, which is a performance piece based on Alice in Wonderland that's happening in New York right now. Um, but what struck me about these pieces is that they actually don't need audience members to happen. Um, the interaction is very sort of surface level. 
Um, and I was also sort of struck by the overwhelming cost of these sorts of performances. They usually ticket prices are in the like over $100 range, which is not to say that those performers don't do their paid well and that they're not wonderful performances to see, um, but it just sort of struck me as an access problem and also one where there's a bit of a disingenuous contract with audience members where we need you to be there, but we actually don't need you at all. Um, so I think our goal is to make performances where audiences can be actively involved, um, but I also think we have are different from a lot of other interactive theater companies because we focus on an inclusive mission, um, where a lot of our performances have been pay what you can, sliding scale, um, but we also, I think, make work that centers our like political and activist values um, more so than the perhaps more obviously commercial work of other companies that are making work in the same field. And I would add to that too, like our name is Obvious Agency because part of what we've talked about is we're really invest invested in investigating human agency. Um, I mean, that's definitely something that I talk about a lot in my personal work and like why Obvious Agency? Because your uh, your agency in the piece is obvious. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that like that value alone is such a political one that it's asking these questions of like, how much can we change the systems that exist in our lives, in the world around us? And our pieces are ways to explore that at different, at different levels in different places. And so on top of that, because of that, and because of who we are as a group, we're, we're really trying to um, engage with those sort of most impacted by those oppressive systems and explore different ways that we can go about disrupting them or dismantling them or, or simply um, um, having more people be, be witness to them. Yeah, and I think in the last few years, there's been a rise in discussions in uh, about consent in the interactive theater community. Um, this is definitely something that I witnessed so as part of my thesis research in undergrad. Um, I got to go to see Sleep more three times, um, but in those times, there were various situations that I was pulled into um, that I kind of didn't have an out for, and some of them involved nudity or some touching. Um, my arm got kissed by some guy. Um, <laughs> and these are sort of situations where um, I think interactive theater makers need to understand agency as also a form of consent making with the audience, and that there are Sure, maybe theater can be a place to feel slightly uncomfortable, um, but in general, um, thinking about the ways that we can encourage safe and consensual relationships with audience members um, is something that we really value and think about a lot in our performances. Can you maybe give give us an example of how all these things work? Specifically, uh, the project you did at uh, the Samuel Paley Library at Temple, um, what's it called, the the Diamond Eye Conspiracy. How does how did that specific project uh, play into these ideas you're talking about? Ariana, do you want to field uh, this one or shall I? Go for it, Daniel. Cool. Um, I think a lot of that. So that was our first uh, our first collaboration all together. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe and I had worked on a piece together before that that was exploring this stuff called You Are the Hero. Um, And after that, Ariana and I engaged in a piece with another collaborator, Nick Rome, called uh, We Need to Talk. Um, But Diamond Eye was our first time really working together. And so in a lot of ways, we actually didn't have a lot of these values understood or established yet. I mean, we hardly knew what it meant for the three of us to be working together at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. 
But I think when we went into that process, like a lot of the a lot of the initial sort of conversation and discussions that we were having were we talked a lot about student debt and student loans. Um, having been like relatively recent college grads, the three of us at that time as well, we were really feeling the, I mean, I'm still feeling the weight of it, but like we were really feeling the weight of that mm -hmm. at the time and feeling uh, really recognizing the ways that it played out in unique ways in all three of our lives. Um, we were talking a lot about like, because that was a commission from the library, we wanted to know a little bit about like what, what their goals with the piece were, which was kind of like just letting students know about the resources that are available to them. But it was also sort of this strange situation because that library was like in the next two or three years about to be torn down for like the new fancier mm -hmm. library that they were in the process of building. Yeah, a robot um, library. Yeah, robot library. So we, we, I think all of that stuff was in there in the initial conversations that we had and influenced the story that we ended up coming up with that was also, uh, it was sort of like a lot of that conversation that we were having plus this really great letter that we found um, that it was, that was a letter by Samuel Paley, right? Am I, it was like a journal entry? I think so. I can't remember if it was either the founder of Temple University or Samuel Kelly is the founder of the university. Right, yeah. Some, <laughs> and some, the library's namesake. Some combination thereof. Um, but basically that 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 letter we kind of like adapt, heavily adapted. <laughs> and it talks about this idea of like diamonds being in every library in the U.S. And we hmm. decided to literalize that. And so we have this evil, this evil organization that was taking advantage of um, students who were deeply affected by student debt, um, folks mm -hmm. who are really vulnerable to those systems, um, and saying yeah. like, "Hey, if you join this like secret organization of ours and help us find these diamonds that are hidden somewhere in this library, your all of your we will make we will make university free for everyone. You all of your debt will be paid off. Everyone's debt will be paid off." Um, and so, but like the problem was that this evil organization was like kind of recruiting and brainwashing and pushing these students to like work themselves, you know, past their limits beyond what any human should do kind of thing. Um, and so the like plot of it was that like the characters that Joe and I played, uh, uh, our, our third friend had gone missing and we knew it was, be was because of this. And so we recruited the audience members in the process of trying to, to help this friend of ours. So maybe to paint a, a clearer picture for uh, the listeners, when a person came to this, was it a, an event? Was it a thing that was ongoing? What actually happened to them? Like, what was the experience like for them? Because I think this is a thing that sure. sometimes it's hard to grasp about these projects just by reading about them. Um, tell us what happened during this specific uh, experience. Yeah, so people would register for tickets through by playing a game that we had designed that sort of oriented them a little bit to our world, but also the issue of, like, student loan payments. If they weren't already intimately familiar, we reminded them of that or taught them about it. Um, so once you had your tickets, you would show up to a location outside of the library, um, and there would be a quick orientation which basically explained to players like that they were entering a real library where real people were actually studying, um, but also that this is a sort of made-up world, um, that they would be working with the like Daniel and Joe to get through. Um, and then they would enter the library and solve a series of puzzles, really, um, that would eventually lead them to a sort of 
like a, a cult ritual <laughs> um, in the basement of the library at the end, and then sort of the plot would. That was where the sort of denouement would happen at the end of the piece. Is that, is that a, a good description, Daniel? Yeah. Uh, to get like more specific too about like what some of the like uh, puzzle experiences were, we're like mm-hmm. we essentially played a game of of tag in the library, um, <laughs> but like library style tag because uh, <laughs> the way that we the way that we go about like when we write obvious agency, we we primarily work in two modes. One of those is by commission with cultural institutions, and the other is as um, uh, an artistic group creating our own work. When we're working with other with other institutions, we really like to take sort of the spoken and unspoken rules of those spaces and use those as the basis for the games that we create. So it was like, cool, when you're in a library, you have to be quiet and you can't run and you shouldn't disturb anybody. And so it was like, okay, cool, what does tag look like when that's the case? And so folks were like hunting in the third floor stacks, like using these like weird little map things Things that we had made to find these like three or four specific books but then you also had the like evil cult members like walking around and so if anybody started acting weird or anything like that they'd essentially get tagged and taken out of the game and given a like a third experience uh in the basement of the in the basement of the library um, they would help me conduct the occult for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so so it was sort of like tag meets Pac-Man in the stacks of the library or like there were other things where it's like you had to steal this like bag of fake diamonds but without getting caught and things like that um, because uh, the project also happened during finals time. So the library was actually open 24-7. Uh, and so we had to build something that that not only was able to function while the library was open to the public, but that actually became more interesting because it was open to the public. Yeah. So speaking of uh, collaborations with institutions, uh, you all are right now working with uh, the galleries here and specifically um, two classes here at Moore to uh, transform our 2019 faculty triennial into a uh, interactive gaming experience uh, with this group of students. Um, I'm curious to hear. You know, this seems to be different some, than some of your other projects where you're not actually doing the thing; you're leading a group to do the thing. Okay. So I'm curious to hear about how that experience is is go is like how it's different, what it's teaching you about the process. Um, or any other things that are coming to your mind? Ariana, do, well, you, do you have thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, it's sort of an interesting overlap between my graduate studies and my creative work, where this definitely feels more like a class where we're providing prompts and questions that we might otherwise be asking ourselves in order to create a piece. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think about something that's very exciting here is to sort of... Um, offer our approach as a methodology for making interactive experiences in museums or other places. Um, We've already, we've developed a piece for the Barnes Museum, which I don't know if you guys have talked about. It's called Barnes Jaunt, and hopefully it will be happening again next year. Um, uh, But basically, like, we have extrapolated from our approach to that piece here to allow students to sort of step into our roles and hopefully come up with maybe even better ideas than we did ourselves for how to engage with a museum space. 
Yeah, I would really echo that like part of what's really exciting for me in this process is I really like engaging um, students in this work, especially college age students, because yeah, it is just like it's another technique, it's another way of working and to see what they come up with based on their the values that they bring as artists and their aesthetics to the work is always really unique and really fascinating to see because it's so different than the things that we would create. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at the same time, like one of the one thing that I think we as a company are really benefiting from in doing this work is that it's actually made us sort of like, pause and look back and really understand what our methodology is because I think like what I found is that there are a lot of things that like we in our creative processes because we are now used to working with each other and we kind of know internally we know internally sort of what our process is we like skip some of the steps and we have a lexicon that we can kind of like like we don't talk about games all that much anymore internally because we not to say that we've moved beyond that concept but because we know what we mean when we say game but actually there are so many different ways that you can define a game and so like one thing we had to do is like when we're talking to the group be like what is a game and what's the working definition of game that we as a that we as a working group for this particular project want to be using um so it's been really we're i think this year in general as a company we're in this really reflective state trying to figure out you know what are our five-year goals what are our one-year goals Mm -hmm. what are what's all the progress that we've made um sort of on that more producing career end and one thing that i think is really nice about this project is it's 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 causing me at least to really have to like look back and think about what what are all of the like steps that we take in our artistic processes and all of the growth that we've made there and how do we transfer that knowledge to other folks Mm-hmm. Yeah, one maybe an, another thing I'm curious to hear about is um, because this idea of play in games is seems to like I mean that seems at a very core part of it. Like, how does this um, affect your way of looking at everything? I mean, is there like we you've done these in libraries, in museums, and now in galleries? Like, is there a spaces where game and gameplay is ubiquitous do you see it happening everywhere is this um how does this approach affect the way that everyday people can use and implement in their lives like how do you see it implementing on a larger grander scale ariana do you mind if i jump in here please so, uh, like, if for folks who are interested in this stuff, um, especially specifically towards that question, I think the work of Jane McGonigal, um, who is a relatively well-known game designer and futurist, is really interesting to engage with um, because she has this whole book called Reality is Broken that essentially is sort of like her manifesto positing how games can, like, fix the world, basically, um, which is, her argument actually, I think is really great and really well constructed. It's flawed, of course, in any sort of like, like totalist, like, this is the thing that will fix everything. But, but that book actually had a major, a major influence on me and the work that I create, because part of why I like this work and why I like engaging in this work and what I think, like a way that it can apply to the, to the world as a whole is 
we are surrounded by systems. Like, our society is made up of systems, whether that be, like, laws or regulations and, like, spoken and unspoken. And something that I really like about this work is that by examining those things and creating games out of them uh, or experiences or what have you, or even just, like, thinking about them as systems, we can start to better understand, one, how much change or what we're able to do within those systems and also be like, okay, but, like, what if we change a couple of the rules that we're used to and how might that actually create a more equitable society yeah and I think to me this sort of speaks to the rise of like serious games in the present day and age so this manifests itself in video game development culture where games like Papers Please and This More of Mine are sort of making persuasive um, I would say ethical arguments about the way that our world works right now um, but I also think that it has a longer lineage in tabletop and folk games. Um, and on that, um, I guess to me, the work of the new games movement in the 1970s, which was a sort of utopian, anti-war, anti-Vietnam War specifically project, um, has been very inspirational, saying that like people have been making games that have, could be played anywhere, um, uh, that have sort of a social purpose and a social aim for a very long time. Um, but even longer than that, um, there's an amazing book by Kyra Gaunt on um, schoolyard games um, and jump rope as like sort of a revolutionary or radical technique. Mm. Um, just focusing on how black girls play. Mm. Um, that's an amazing book. Um, so yeah, I think that I think that it's part of a longer lineage of sort of in a way utopian projects, um, and I definitely see our work. I mean, I, I aspire for our work to be included in that, that sort of lineage. Yeah. Daniel, Ariana, thank you both for joining and speaking with me today. Uh, listeners, if you are, if this has piqued your interest, uh, the game, the gallery with obvious agency will be taking place next Thursday, March 7th from 6 to 8 p.m. here in the galleries. Uh, if you're interested, come on out. This is a free event. You'll get to see what the students have come up with uh, to transform our galleries and the work therein uh, into an interactive gaming experience with the help of Obvious Agency. Daniel and Ariana, thank you both again for joining me. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.